Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. Thanks for joining us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website and our deal site. Have you seen it yet? I'm so proud of our deals crew. Clarkdeals.com to help you save money day in and day out. Coming up in 20 minutes, are you a Yelper? Do you post on TripAdvisor or any of the review sites? Do you read reviews or do you look for ratings? Well, I've got new information for you so you can protect your wallet. And coming up in a half hour, do you know you now have the ability to do a genetic test to see what catastrophic illnesses you're vulnerable for? I'm going to tell you the details And the information's information some people can handle, some people can't. Here's something that is a milestone I don't think we should be excited about. We have hit a trifecta of financial insecurity in the United States. We now have exceeding $1 trillion in credit card debt, $1 trillion in student loan debt, and $1 trillion in car loan debt or vehicle debt. Now, I know there's been some inflation, but I don't know that there's been a time in history that we had all three of these kinds of debt anywhere near past a trillion dollars. And the student loan debt is now at about a trillion and a half. This is data from the Federal Reserve. And this is pricing your life for perfection. I told you just about six weeks ago that default rates on car loans were climbing significantly. The default rate on student loans, well known. And delinquencies on credit cards rising. Here's what's happened. Lenders, after tightening so much the lending standards last decade, after the banking scandals, now have gone the other way. The pendulum swings. And now borrowing money is ultra easy. Okay, so listen to this. I just read an item that it's not unusual for people in their 20s and 30s to have in excess of 20 credit cards. 20. Now, what's ironic about that is that in the aftermath of the banking scandals last decade and the the Great Recession they led to and all that, There was all this talk about how people in their 20s and 30s were afraid of debt, wouldn't take on debt, and would use only cash or debit cards. Well, that sure has changed. As far as having credit cards, having a car loan, 
having student loans, all three in moderation are just fine. The problem is for us is that a lot of us have trouble staying moderate with it. You know, with credit cards, roughly, depending on whose stats you believe, roughly between 33 and 40% of people pay their credit cards in full every single month. The same time, somewhere more than a third of people are always running a balance, and the other, somewhere 25% to a third of people, whatever that remaining number would be, tend to owe a balance some months and pay off their balances other months. But if I'm speaking to you and you're always running a balance on your cards, and let's say you have a car loan that you took out that's longer than three and a half years, should be most car loans, and then, gosh, if you have student loans on top of that, there's real danger to you with your wallet. And I need for you to be aware of that and really think through how you use money, when you borrow, how much you borrow. Scott's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Scott. Hi, Clark. Good to speak with you. Well, great to have you here. You want to talk about the opposite, saving money. Yeah, here's the thing. You may remember maybe eight, ten years ago, one of the mega banks, and I think maybe even more than one, would offer for free to link your debit card to a savings account. Every purchase you made was automatically um, rounded up. And I got thinking about that the other day. Why I didn't do it when it was available, I don't, I don't know. But I, I looked into it the other day. Now, none of the banks, at least in my market, offer this. And I couldn't figure out why, because you would think they would make money on the money you're giving them, and it would it would be a, a sweet deal for both parties. And I just wondered if you knew why did they do away with this, or did I dream this, and and it never happened. Well, it's really become a private market that there are people doing this now, where you can round up and and build up money over time. One of them I talked about on the show is called Coins which is spelled Q-O-I-N-S dot, this is cute, dot I-O. Coins dot I-O and coins spelled wrong too, Q-O-I-N-S. And they have a roundup thing and the money goes into savings. There's another called Acorns, which is much more popular, which rounds up your purchases and the money goes into ultra-low cost investments. And so you download the apps to your Android or iPhone, and then you're able to link to your cards, and the money builds up over time. And if you want to save a lot more money, there's one called Digit, which does a more complicated thing, but also pushes you to save quite a bit more money than Coins does or acorns. Perfect. Maybe you'll be able to make one of these work for you. But remember, the interests of a bank are not aligned with yours. A bank wants you in debt. A bank wants you spending. Uh, And that's why they're not really into doing these things anymore. 
A credit union, interestingly enough, generally has the opposite culture that wants you out of debt and wants you saving money. And these apps that I gave you the names of, Scott, they're all about that kind of credit union culture of building up savings and building up investment. Fantastic, Clark. Thank you so much. Sure. I hope one or more of those end up working for you. Pat's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pat. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How are you doing? Oh, very well, thanks, now that it's warming up a little bit. Oh, good. (laughs) Finally. Well, how can I serve you today? Well, I uh, I had just wanted to thank you for your advice, both on the line and on the website, as to how to buy a car and not get hosed, because... (laughs) The last time I bought a car, I didn't know any better. I had always bought cars from my cousin who was a dealer, and then when I stopped buying that brand of car and switched to another, I didn't know any better, and I just went in, and whatever the salesman said, okay, fine. Well, (laughs) it's 11 years later, and this time I got a really sweet deal thanks to (laughs) learning from you how to buy a car properly. Well, you are so sweet to give me some credit for it, but all the credit goes to you. You just needed the tools, and you were able to make it work. Tell me specifically, what things did you do that made the car buying process sweet for you? Uh, Well, um, I shopped online first. I I got quotes. I think I started with Sam's Club, and then um, I guess that goes through TrueCar. So it was TrueCar that I used to get the uh, e, uh, emails with um, offers. And then uh, I was a little leery about facing a dealer, but I thought I, uh, my best deal came from someplace two hours away, and I thought maybe I can get one of the closer people to match that. So I actually went in and let the dealers try to work me over and, and presented that offer and said, you know, can you match this? And one dealer said yes, but the other one um tried to hose me on the uh, the price that he was offering for my trade-in. But I had looked on Edmonds and KBB and knew what was an appropriate offer, and I said, oh, no, uh, the other dealer was going to offer me $4,000, you are only offering me 2500 So he caved on that, and then he tried to say, oh, we were willing to meet the deal from the out-of-town people, but we thought that was after the trade-in. And I said, oh, no, that, they never saw my car. This was before the trade-in. So the fellow hemmed and hawed and came and went, and finally he caved. So I saved about $4,000. Isn't that fantastic? Yes, and especially someone, I'm not an especially assertive person, and I never played this game before, but I was so proud of myself for just pleasantly standing my ground. And, you know, the Sam's Club car buying program is one that a lot of people aren't aware of, and as you said, behind the scenes, the architecture is being done by True Car, and it is a great way for you to buy a car. In your case, you you didn't want to go the two hours, but you were able to leverage the information from Sam's Club, and yes. the result was you got to buy it locally and you saved a ton. Yes, and also I didn't finance. I saved up and paid cash for it, so... No loan, no problem. (laughs) You are fantastic. Good job. Well, thank you. And thank you, as I said, for um, the information that helped me do this. Well, but you're giving me credit for what you made happen. So, 
and and who knows how many other people you're inspiring, Pat. So I'm grateful to you for taking the time to make the call. There are several methods, and by the way, when you if you're a USAA member and you buy a car through USAA, behind the scenes, the architecture there is also run by TrueCar. But just as with Sam's, there are certain things you get being a Sam's Club member buying a car through them. USAA, when you go to look at buying a car through them after you sign into your USAA portal, you'll see the multiple things that are available in addition for being a USAA member, in addition to the great price you get through the true car architecture. And it provides an environment where you don't have to negotiate if you go to one of the dealers that they were able to get the great price for you. Costco Wholesale, if it were a dealer, would potentially now be the largest car dealer in the United States. If not, they'd be the second largest. They now sell so many cars through their car buying program. And the whole idea of all these programs, like Pat talked about with getting the dealers you could get the special price from, is you don't have to worry about the drama or trauma. The whole car buying process is streamlined, simplified, and made to be something you don't have to dread. Online reviews have become so important to how we buy that you got to know how to use them. It's the topic of today's Clark Rageous Moment. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous Moment. I don't know if you heard this thing about Yelp, but there was a jewelry store that was posting false reviews on Yelp trash-talking a competitor, hoping that people would not go to the competitor and instead come to them. That's dirty dealing. And it's one of the reasons why I say when you look at reviews at any online review, that you not go by the stars or circles or whatever, because that doesn't tell you what you need to know. You need to actually read the reviews. I've been able to get to the point where when I read reviews, I can tell when reviews are phony. There are people who get paid to write glowing reviews. There are things like this thing in Massachusetts where false reviews were being posted about a business to trash them. And you can see through that stuff if you take the time to read. And the reason it's so important is there was a study done by an industry player that found that the average number of stars or circles that we give a business when we go to review them out of five is 4.3. Now, I want you to think about it. The average should be 2.5. Half of things would be worse than that median. Half would be better. But human nature being what it is, we tend to give better ratings than maybe something should have. Think about if you ever review an Uber or Lyft driver and you don't like the driver, you might post four instead of three, two, or one. It's just the way we are as humans. So you can't go by the number of stars or circles. I'll tell you, the way I back into this, 
with TripAdvisor, when I'm looking at a hotel, considering staying at a hotel, if it rates three and a half circles or less, I don't even consider it. I don't even go read the reviews. Because people are so heavily giving hotels four or five stars that it's hard for a hotel to get less than four stars, um, four circles. So if it's got less than that, that if it's three and a half or less, I'm done. But if it has four or more, I go read the reviews. And then I make a determination. Now, a lot of times I buy my hotel rooms on Priceline or Hotwire, and I can't do that. I've got a different system for them because you usually can't read the reviews, so you can only go by the rating. And what I do to protect myself is a rating on Priceline of 8+. plus when I'm buying a hotel that I can't see what it is till after I bought it. Okay, you're a human, which means you've done laundry some point in your life. And you know what a hassle it can be separating the laundry, preparing, doing multiple loads? It's not fun. Well, Home Depot might have a solution that makes it easy, really. They have the new Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry Washer and Dryer Pair. These innovative appliances are the first ever to allow you to wash two loads and dry two loads of laundry at the same time in the same machine. So when you do the laundry, you don't have to mix different colors and fabrics together and destroy your clothes. Flex Wash integrates a large capacity lower washer for everyday washes and then an additional washer for separate colors and delicates. And the Flex Dry integrates a large tumble dryer for everyday items and a flat dryer for your delicates. You wash one load, you dry one load, everything's done. And both the washer and dryer have a number of innovative features that make laundry super easy. Like the Flex Wash offers a steam wash option for removing stains and a self-clean to keep the water odor-free. And Flex Dry features multi-steam to steam away odors and wrinkles, while Sensor Dry optimizes drying temperatures to avoid damage to your clothes. It's technology you can really appreciate. And both are Wi-Fi connected, which allows you to set and start the machines and receive alerts when a load is finished. Together, the Flex Wash and Flex Dry offer the ultimate flexibility to provide the best possible care for your clothes. So get to Home Depot now and check them out. The Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry washer and dryer pair. If you're wondering how to get the funding needed to run a small business today, Cabbage has the answer. Cabbage helps small business owners access simple and flexible funding right away without the headaches that come with applying for a traditional loan. You can apply online or from your phone by securely linking your business information to get an automatic decision. There's no waiting in line. There's no scanning documents or tracking down financial statements. Cabbage gives you the flexibility to decide what's best for your business. And once you're approved, you choose when to use your funds and how much you're going to take. You only pay for the funds that you actually use. Cabbage has supported over 100,000 small businesses with $2.9 billion in funding already. Visit cabbage.com save. There's no cost to apply or set up your line of credit. And just for listening to this podcast, when you qualify for funding, you'll get a $100 Visa gift card that you can use anywhere. That's Cabbage with a K. K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash save. Glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. So in passing with a caller, 
recently, I mentioned that in my TV work, I had put 23andMe.com and Ancestry.com head-to-head against each other doing the genetic testing with each and to see how much they varied. Well, first of all, on the issue of the surprise, where you're from that you didn't know about, I was deeply disappointed with both of them because they said I was from exactly where I'd always been told by my family. No surprises, no skeletons in the closet, nothing at all. I'd always been told that my family was from Russia, Poland, Lithuania, and Austria. And guess what? One of the two, I don't remember if it was Ancestry or 23andMe, they were so close together it's insignificant. One said that I was 96% from what they call that crescent or arc or whatever they call it. And the other said I was 97%. I was like 2% Middle Eastern, 1% Iberian Peninsula on one, and on the other I had 1% from Africa somewhere. But pretty much, there were no surprises, nothing exciting, nothing unusual, except this. On 23andMe, they rate how much risk my kids are in from me of getting any kind of terrible illnesses. And they list all kinds of conditions that can be passed down in your genes from you to your kids. And I didn't have a single factor that I was passing down to my children. And that was so much a relief to me. Now my wife, who has been reluctant to do the tests for four months, is finally going to do them because she wants to see, particularly the 23andMe, what risk factors she may have potentially created for our kids and what to be on the lookout for. Well, now it's gotten a whole lot more serious because after I did the test, after I got my results, 23andMe now has FDA approval to test your personal risk of contracting things like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease or a number of very, very life-changing kind of diseases. And so when you take the test, they'll be able to tell you your risk factor for various catastrophic illnesses. And not everybody should take that test. I want to know. I'll handle that information just fine. My mom who's now deceased, died a year ago, my mom hadn't known who she was or who I was for a long time. She developed dementia. And for us as kids, obviously, there's the thought, is this going to happen to us? And I know this is going to sound disrespectful. I don't mean it as such. But I'm so flaky that there are times that people will wonder around me, ooh, Ooh, is Clark okay? But I am completely flaky. 
And I've been flaky my whole life. And so I'm not going to provide an early warning signal when I'm forgetful about something because that's just who I am. I'm like the absent-minded professor. So I'm going to pay again to 23andMe and I'm going to get tested to see what are these scary illnesses I have enhanced odds of getting because I can handle the knowledge. And that's the thing for you. You know, as you may be aware, I was diagnosed with cancer eight or nine years ago. Was it nine, eight, whatever? And I've been in, I have prostate cancer, and I've been in what's known as an active surveillance program where I'm being monitored and I do these awful tests. But anyway, I do the testing as required, as scheduled, and I've not had to have treatment in all these years since diagnosis. And I know so many people who maybe could have benefited, men who could have benefited from doing the active surveillance based on, you know, there's a certain look of your prostate cancer that means it's not immediately a danger to you. You can monitor it. But most of the people I know who would fit my general profile after they've been diagnosed with cancer go ahead and have treatment anyway because they can't handle the information. They can't handle the uncertainty. So if you are somebody who knows you'd freak out if you found out that you had an enhanced likelihood of getting who knows what disease, don't get tested. On the other hand, if you think you can handle the information just fine, do what I'm going to do and pay the, are you ready, $200 to see what your chances are of getting one of those illnesses, of which I guess there are about a dozen that they're FDA approved for. And I, and I want to know, I'm going to know. And by the way, that's 23andMe.com that does that, not Ancestry.com. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Ryan, you have a question for me about using an online bank. Correct. Yep. I, um, I'm with my local credit union um, and just kind of concerned about the, I guess, interest that I would accrue in like a savings account. So my local one gives me 0.25 whereas this online bank will give me a full percent on my savings. So I just wasn't sure what your take, because I know you definitely stand by credit unions. But in this case, you'd be crazy to keep your savings at a credit union. Because with the online banks, generally you're going to earn from about one to near one and a quarter percent. So you're going to earn like four times or so what the credit union's paying. Yeah. And so depending on the online bank you'd look at, you have from a minimum of zero dollars you have to put in to get the one plus percent to a minimum maybe as high as five thousand dollars to earn the higher rate. And what's wonderful with the online yeah. banks, Ryan, is that you link them to like if you do your main banking at that credit union, you just link it to the credit union 
And when you need that money, it's available electronically for uh, typically two days' time. It'll be back in your credit union account. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. So it's very, very easy to set these up and do the electronic linkage. The only priority, I would say, is for you to make sure that whatever online bank you're looking at is FDIC insured. Absolutely. And as long as they are FDIC insured, you're good to go. And you know there's a real easy, approachable list to these um, online accounts at a website called bankrate.com. Oh, okay. And you just click on, they've got a button for, uh, I think it's savings and money market accounts, and you just click on that button, and it'll show the list of, as best they know, who's paying the highest rates in the country. Uh, And the highest right now that I see on their site is 1.25%. Oh, nice. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. That definitely helps. I just wasn't sure because I know, you know, credit unions are one of the best, but I think I might have to check this out then. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, this is a case where to earn the max on your money, as much as I love credit unions, they're not the place to go to earn the max on your dough. Lacey's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lacey. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Lacey. I'm very sorry to hear that you lost your mom recently. Yes, thank you. I'm so sorry. How are you holding up? Okay. Okay. Getting through everything. (laughs) Yeah, there'll be, you know, you'll find after the loss of your mom that there'll be good days and there'll be days not so good, but over time the pain will ease for you. Thank you. How can I serve you at this time of your loss? Well, we helped our older kids go through college. They're 26 and 24 now. They both graduated. But we have a lot of uh, parent plus loans. I paid like 50000 so far, probably more than that. But we still have 90, 95. Wow. Yeah. I hope your 26-year-old and 24-year-old thank you every chance they get for what you did for them. They yeah, don't, huh? <laughs> I don't hear anything from you. I guess they don't thank you all the time. And I have a 60-year-old, so I'm still going to be putting him through college, but community college first for two years and then go away. Very good. And I see you live in New York State? Yes, Long Island. So do you know the good news for your 16-year-old that there's now a new law in New York that's going to make your 16-year-old's college free? Is that true? I thought it was a hoax. No, it's the real deal. Wow. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so you have to have a family income of less than, I think it's 150 a year? Mm-hmm. No, 125 wow. a year. And then college will be free for your 16-year-old. Wow, that's great. So um, where does your mom fit into this with the Parent PLUS loans? Well, she left the, um, from an inheritance. But I don't know if I should just take that and pay off the loans because they're at 8%. 
And then our financial advisor said to get a HELOC. But then, I don't know. No, I, I respectfully disagree with your financial advisor. And mm-hmm. if you inherited this money from your mom, you have parent plus loans for your two kids at 8%, then it would be brilliant for you just to wipe those out with the money that your mom left you. Okay. Because what are you going to do with that money otherwise? Yeah, because then they suggested SoFi too. But why? I, I mean, why even... Why even refinance that? Because so the what I'm asking, though, the money you inherited from your mom, that you're inheriting from your mom, what does the financial advisor want you to do with the money? Oh, he said to invest it like in Merrill Lynch or something. <gasps> but I don't think you would make a <gasps> No, no, no. Okay, so this is not a knock on Merrill Lynch, but the reality is that money would most efficiently be used without any question or doubt. This is one of those things that there's not even any iota of gray to it. Getting a guaranteed return on that money from your mom of 8% is so fantastic that you wipe that debt out and clean the slate. Okay. There's not there's not even I mean, I can't even see any gray with a magnifying glass on this. <laughs> All right. So you know, you can take this and eliminate that burden and that's the right thing to do. And go read about the thing. I know your your 16-year-old has perhaps two more years before college. Is that right? Yes. So your 16-year-old will be able to make choices out on Long Island other than just community college. Under the New York program, uh, your 16-year-old will be able to go to a state four-year college as well for free. Josh joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Josh, you've decided to get an Apple Watch. Yes, sir. Actually, I'm buying it for a gift, uh, and I'm looking at the Apple Watch Series 2. Okay. Um, have you already bought it? I have not. No, sir. I'm, I'm actually in the process of buying it, and it's for a gift. And I, I know how you are with the warranties, and I was wondering if the Apple Care Plus warranty was, was worth the extra money or not. I don't think that anybody should ever pay one cent for Apple Care, and I know so many people who buy iPhones and Apple whatever pay that huge money for Apple Care. But as a comparison, if you go look at what Square Trade charges to insure your Apple products, it's so much cheaper than the coverage from Apple directly. Are you familiar with Square Trade? No, sir, I'm not, but um, but I'm going to look it up. Now, one thing with the Apple Watch is I have made the mistake of giving two Apple Watches as gifts, and guess where they both ended up within two weeks? I hope not in the trash. Well, no, in a drawer, never to be used again. My uh, The person I'm buying it for, she told me she wants it, 
she just doesn't have the money yet, so it's it's going to be an anniversary gift. So she already sent me the link, so I know she's going to use it. Okay, so if she's going to use it, spend that money, and I hope that she proves me wrong because I was so dejected to have spent all that money because, you know, I'm surrounded by, I'm all Android, and I'm surrounded by a family full of Apple people. And so I thought I was doing such a good thing buying the Apple Watch, and gosh, they just they just are um, making the drawers they sit in so smart, but not my wife or my daughter. Yeah, I bought her a GPS watch before. She did the same thing, and but this time she already told me she wants it. She sent me the link, so it, it's solid proof. I'm hoping. I'm okay, my fingers crossed. Well, before you consider buying that overpriced Apple Care, though. Go look at Square Trade. It's also where people should look who have uh, expensive Samsung phones or Apple phones or whatever. Look at the coverage offered Square Trade, particularly versus the junk sold by the cell phone companies for the phone coverage. You never want to buy any of that stuff from Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile or AT&T. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. This is Norman Lear with my great sidekick, Paul Hip. Good to be here with you, Norman. On All of the Above. That's the name of my podcast, All of the Above. And uh, it's called All of the Above because we're going to talk about All of the Above. There isn't anything sacrosanct. There's nothing too above us or below uh, or us. below us. Well, certainly nothing too below us. But we have had guests you cannot believe. Yeah. Guests. Julie Louis-Dreyfus, amazing. Yes. And America Ferrara. Jared Carmichael. Yes. Oh, Amy Poehler. How did we overlook? We didn't overlook Amy Poehler. I was saving her for last. And Charles Barkley, I was saving him for first, actually, because I didn't declare her first. I get to hang out with this guy. And this is your chance to hang out with Norman Lear a little bit here and some of these great guests. God, I wish I was you hanging out with Norman Lear. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a gun. See? That must be exciting. It's yeah. the best. I'm telling you. Don't miss all of the above with Norman Lear. Download new episodes every week on the Podcast One app or subscribe at podcastone.com. I'm so glad that you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show. And you hear me say that and you may wonder why, but... I love the opportunity for us to share together, to learn together, and to provide guidance and direction to each other so we can keep more of what we make. And Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, go to Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in a half hour, the average cost of a wedding now has topped 35000 according to something I read this past weekend and what 
couples getting married expect from you as a guest has changed too, and maybe inflated. We're going to talk about that in a half hour. I'm going to talk right now about something that is sitting there as a job that employers are begging for workers, and the jobs are going unfilled and unloved. I saw an item in the LA Times employment section about all the cybersecurity jobs that are going empty. Companies, government, everybody needs to beef up their cybersecurity. And it is a somewhat specialized area of the computer industry. But there are endless numbers of entry-level jobs being involved in cybersecurity, and the vacancies are so large, the numbers are so high, that the starting pay has risen, apparently, to 80 grand entry level. $80,000! And that's because the number of jobs unfilled is so large. Now, a lot of people aren't interested because they feel like it's one of those things that you only ever get in trouble for and are never praised. That if you work in cybersecurity, you're only recognized when there's a breach. Nobody even remembers you're there when everything's going along swimmingly and no hacker is broken in. But this is an area of enormous potential opportunity. And I think of the people who now earn a living testing the defenses of companies where companies pay people that are highly skilled to seek vulnerabilities in their system so they can then be made stronger. You know, there are so many categories today where the jobs are there, they pay well, and there's nobody currently to fill them. So much talk about people losing their jobs because of robotics. But the reality is there are very well-paying jobs for people who can manage the robots, who can handle a more automated environment. And the jobs pay a ton better than the job that may have existed before working in the factory. There's opportunity knocking all over the place right now, and it requires you to get some more education in various fields, if the fields interest you. But I just want you to know that the number of jobs are gigantic, and I saw in this story as well that, remember I said entry level is paying a huge amount, roughly 80000 Managerial positions in cybersecurity, quarter million dollars a year in a lot of cases. Again, opportunity knocking. 
But a lot of the opportunity that knocks out there does force you back into the classroom. Your choice. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? Hi, Clark. I'm doing good. How are you? Great. You have an ethics question for me that you are the second person in 30 years who's ever asked me this ethics question. Yeah, so um, long story short, we had to take my wife to the emergency room. and Oh, how is okay. she? Thank, she's great. Okay, um, good. Uh, they were they were able to take care of her, but uh, the hospital ended up billing us eighty seven hundred dollars for uh, like I don't know we were there maybe four hours. So um, I have a high deductible health insurance plan, which meant that I was on the hook for about forty one hundred of that. Uh, so I called the hospital and asked for a discount, and I'm actually they were able to offer me ten percent, but I. I offered them an amount that was about a 25% discount, and they eventually approved it, which is great. But the insurance company now thinks that I've met my deductible when, in fact, I've still got $1,000 left to pay before I hit that deductible. So you're wondering, are you wondering about this morally, ethically, or legally? Um, I want to make the ethical choice here. So, I mean, I don't want to defraud the insurance company. I'm not, I'm not in a position where I can't pay that extra thousand. Uh, my wife's actually, we're going to have a baby later this year, so we will hit our deductible. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks. But, um, so I guess my question is, who's responsible for informing the insurance company? Okay. That's a great question. So, all right, as a general rule, if you had negotiated up front a discount with the hospital and had not shared that with the insurance company, and the hospital doesn't share that with the insurance company, and you go ahead and the claim processes and the insurer uh, you know, pays its part in good faith thinking that the bill is the bill, and you and the hospital have both pulled one over on them, that would be a case where someone could make a case that you had even engaged in some form of fraud. That said as a non-lawyer, by the way, but somebody could make that case. But the reality is, if it was part of the process, after the fact, you get the bill and all that, and then you negotiated a discount on the portion you pay, that is considered to be an okay thing to do, and I don't consider that to be unethical or immoral at all. If okay, you are, so. if your conscience is really bothered by it, you could take eleven hundred dollars and make a contribution to your favorite charity. Okay, so I was thinking about sending a letter to the insurance company. Uh, to to kind of cover myself, and then if they wanted to charge me for that, I guess they could, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. I, really I, don't I worry that you could find that the insurance company is is not going to treat your good deed in a positive way. I would make an alternative suggestion to you. Okay. Insurance is regulated by each of the 50 states, 
And in each of the states, there's a state insurance department that you can call and you can ask. You know, they take questions and complaints from consumers. I would call up, paint the scenario, and ask under your state law, what would you be expected to do? Okay. Great. Just to make sure you're completely in the clear. Because I'm not 100% clear with you if we're talking ethical, legal, or moral, or a combination of all three here. So in order to just clear the decks, I would call the state insurance department. And if they say that legally you are bound to contact the insurance company, I hope you'll let me know that, that at least in your state, there would be a legal requirement for you to contact them. But I'm not aware that there would be one. Lori is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Lori. Hey, hi, Clark. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. You have a daughter who's going to go to grad school. What's she going to study? Yeah, she is going to study production design down there in your neck of the woods, I think. Production design. So that would be what I was just talking about moments ago about robotics? Well, it it would be like a play or a TV show or a movie. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I... I was I was still thinking yeah. manufacturing. You're talking you're talking about sets set design and things like that. Right. Okay. Right. Exactly. Sorry. I you know I have I have no art side to me at all, so that never even occurred to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, so she's starting grad school and she's going to be on her own for the first time financially. Um we are going to assist her in uh, the amount of a gift uh, every year of 15000 but she's essentially going to be managing her own finances for the first time. And she's going to be in another state and on her own. So my questions were about how to feed her that money and then about maybe a first credit card for her to build some credit on, if you'd recommend that. So what I would do is I would set up where she's an authorized user on one of your credit cards. Okay. But don't give her the actual plastic. Sorry? Okay, we currently do that. I was hoping to, I thought, I didn't know if that would build her credit just being on one of ours. The way to find out would be for her to check to see if she shows a credit record and a credit score. And if she were to go to creditkarma.com, Uh and register with them, or another one would be Credit Sesame. But Credit Karma, I really like the way they do it. And she would be able to see for two of the three credit bureaus, do they show a record of her, and are they reporting on her report that authorized user status, and they show a score. Because with Credit Karma, she'll know um, if she has a facsimile of a credit score immediately. And if okay. she does, and the score is above 660, she should be able to apply for her first card. Okay. On her own. Okay. Yeah. And okay. If, she, if she doesn't, then where she's either living now or where she's moving to, she should join a credit union Okay. and see if they'll issue her a card under one of the Fresh Start programs. Is generally, they're not officially called that, but that's what they're called in the industry. 
Okay, okay. And as yes, far as making have- money available to her, uh, that's pretty easy. If you have an account at a bank or credit union and she opens one at that same bank or credit union, you can very easily transfer that money to her. Or otherwise, you can just send her a check. Okay. It's not okay. going to be hard. You know, <laughs> she's going to figure out how to make it work if you're giving her 15 grand towards her grad school life. Well, she will have to apply for some financial aid. So she's in the middle of FAFSA right now. And I just didn't know how to feed her account in a lump sum or if in if any way that would count against her on her FAFSA. As you're she allowed to, after she's in school, you're allowed to give any other individual in America, doesn't even have to be a relative, up to $14,000 in a year with no tax consequences at all, no consequences of any kind. Okay. Okay. So Very good. And don't be so nervous about her being on her own. <laughs> she'll be fine. She'll, she'll have a great time. And I'll remember in the future that production design does not mean something in a factory. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. John, you have a question for me about an obscure credit bureau. Yes, it's a credit bureau called Innovus, and I've had my credit frozen at the other three agencies ever since you first mentioned it to me. Well, ever since I first heard you mention it back in probably 10, 12 years ago. And I just found out about this other credit agency, and I was wondering if I need to freeze my credit there as well. Anovis, I have never heard of anybody having an application for credit that relied upon an Anovis credit score or a credit report. And okay. it may be that somebody's using them, but my memory of them is that their main purpose is collecting data for um, uh, marketing information for businesses rather than as a true traditional credit grantor. Although they do offer the option of freezing your credit with them. And I just don't know that in a life where you can't protect yourself from everything, I don't know that it's worth the effort or time And if I'm proven wrong, John, and people uh, give me feedback after you and I talk that, well, let me tell you, I I was approved for something or denied for something because of a Novus credit file, then I'll make sure I go on the air and correct that. But I feel comfortable telling you that you've done enough freezing your credit files with Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. All right, then that that answers my question. All right, then I have a question for you. How often over the 10 or 12 years has it been a hassle for you that you've had your credit frozen? Oh, I've probably applied for credit maybe six times in that 12 years. Like when I bought a thing and I, they offered me 0% interest if I... If I paid it off within three years, I took advantage, but they had to check my credit score, and they told me, well, I asked them, which credit agency would I need to unfreeze? And I unfroze just that single one, so it didn't cost me 
more than one one ding because California, you have to pay sometimes. Yeah, well, good for you, and the peace of mind that comes with credit freeze is fantastic. Okay, you're a human, which means you've done laundry some point in your life. And you know what a hassle it can be, separating the laundry, preparing, doing multiple loads? It's not fun. Well, Home Depot might have a solution that makes it easy, really. They have the new Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry Washer and Dryer Pair. These innovative appliances are the first ever to allow you to wash two loads and dry two loads of laundry at the same time in the same machine. So when you do the laundry, you don't have to mix different colors and fabrics together and destroy your clothes. Flex Wash integrates a large capacity lower washer for everyday washes and then an additional washer for separate colors and delicates. And the Flex Dry integrates a large tumble dryer for everyday items and a flat dryer for your delicates. You wash one load, you dry one load, everything's done. And both the washer and dryer have a number of innovative features that make laundry super easy. Like the Flex Wash offers a steam wash option for removing stains and a self-clean to keep the water odor-free. And Flex Dry features multi-steam to steam away odors and wrinkles, while Sensor Dry optimizes drying temperatures to avoid damage to your clothes. It's technology you can really appreciate. And both are Wi-Fi connected, which allows you to set and start the machines and receive alerts when a load is finished. Together, the Flex Wash and Flex Dry offer the ultimate flexibility to provide the best possible care for your clothes. So get to Home Depot now and check them out. The Samsung Flex Wash and Flex Dry washer and dryer pair. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm so glad you've joined us here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Clarkdeals.com is where you find the bargains. So we got to talk. Wedding expenses going up and up and up. Average wedding now $35,000. That's a lot of money. Last number I'd heard reported was thirty, and now supposedly 35000 So you tend with a wedding to have your event at a variety of facilities that have these contracts that are tough, tough contracts. And you pay no matter what. And as I've had calls over the years, our own producer, Krista, never got her wedding photos and had paid in full and the photographer just vanished. She couldn't do anything about her pictures, couldn't do anything about her money. But today, more and more, people having expensive weddings will buy a wedding insurance policy. And the numbers on the wedding insurance policies are, they're okay. I mean, you know, they're not, they're not like they're screaming deals. Figure you're going to spend three or $400 on a typical wedding insurance policy. But they'll help you out within reason and limitations of the contract when a supplier fails to deliver, a supplier goes bust, uh, vanishes, that kind of thing. And then depending on the policy, there are certain medical things that will be covered just like they would with a trip policy. And since we're talking about such large amounts of money now, 
I've got to change my position because in the past, I've discouraged people from buying the wedding insurance, and now I feel like I was wrong, at least where things are now and how expensive weddings are today, that it's one that you should really consider if you're going to have a, a pretty pricey wedding. And speaking of pricey, how about going to a wedding? Wow. There's so many people having destination weddings now, which is great for them. <laughs> May not be so great for you because of the expense you have flying to wherever the wedding is. And then other people will have just the simplest of weddings. One of our staffers' sister did an extremely low-cost wedding. And from the pictures I've seen, it was a beautiful wedding, but at a teensy tiny budget. Producer Joel and his bride, how many years have you been married now? Is it eight? Almost seven. Seven. Just feels like eight. No, (laughs) seven years. And you and your wife did a, a beautiful wedding and did everything you could to hold the cost down. How many people did you have at your wedding? Gosh, you know you forget all those things so like the further was, removed you get away. And something, wasn't yeah, it? probably like 175 people, something like that. And your total budget all in, rehearsal dinner, everything? I want to say total budget all in was like $11,000. And you did everything first class. You just did everything you could to save money on it. Yeah. And today, if you're of a mind to, there are so many blogs about how to do that. There are books, um, that websites that are all devoted that if you're of that mindset to lower the cost, like, for example, uh, renting dresses instead of expecting the bridesmaids to buy those ridiculously overpriced one-time-use dresses. Uh, my favorite that I just saw at a wedding was the bridesmaids were just told to wear a dress of, it's like a dark, what color was that? It was like a dark blue. I'm, I'm almost colorblind past primary colors. But anyway, they, every dress was different because they could just wear whatever they had that was of that general shade. And again, I assume they were all the same shade. I'm, I don't, I can't distinguish shades. But I thought that was a great way so the bridesmaids didn't have to go out and buy dresses. And as for you as a guest, funny thing from bankrate.com, weddings in the Northeast and Midwest, people overwhelmingly give cash to the wedding couple as the gift. I love that. I think that's so smart. Producer Krista was talking about how People would pin dollars on, was it the bride or the groom, the, she was saying? The bride, she said. I mean, I've never heard any such thing. I've never witnessed anything like that. And she said that it's common in some parts of the country that people pin money on the bride. Who would think of that? Anyway, you know, I want you to know that if you are of a mindset that somehow cash is crash, crass, Get over it, because what the new couple needs more than anything else is cash to establish their new life together.
Barbara's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Barbara, you're from New England. Have you ever been to a wedding where people were pinning money on a bride? No, not at all. You ever heard of that? No. Yeah, I mean, it just sounded weird to me. Maybe, Maybe Krista was hallucinating. So, Barbara, how can I serve you today? I actually wanted to give a tip to those uh, who would not make the same stupid mistake I did. Nothing came up. um, Somebody hacked into our company uh, email, uh, and um, uh, it was Friday afternoon, and and my boss had been on vacation, so she left an email um, message saying that get in touch with me if they needed anything. And um, <clears throat> I won't use her real name, but uh, let me say uh, it's um, Peggy. So on Friday, I got this email. It looked like it came from our, our president, whom I do things for. And I, I should have known better because I knew he was out of town. But it was an email from him, and he says, hey, Barb, <laughs> um, I know Elizabeth, um, not Elizabeth, sorry, uh, Margaret is not in the office, but I need you to process a payment for me. And I should have known better because, first of all, it wasn't his email address. I knew he was out of town, and he didn't capitalize his eyes. And he also, uh, the color of our the logo was not the same as we use. But I was in a hurry, and I wasn't thinking. So I said, um, well, I'm at my desk right now, and if you need me, just let me know what you need. And, um, and by the way, who's Margaret? <laughs> so... So anyway, I left, you know, left it alone, and it was uh, Easter weekend. So Monday I get in, and I'm looking at it again, and I'm saying, you know what? I bet you this is, this is not my boss, because he, he knows that we have to go through uh, all these channels to go through finance to get a uh, you know, check cut. So I had no idea. So uh, the next day, I got another one saying, okay, Barb, we're ready to process the payment. Um, let me know when you're ready. So I got the IT guy. And the IT guy pretended he was me, and actually the guy gave him a legitimate uh, bank address, I mean the account, and he wanted us to deposit $25,000, oh. <laughs> which we would never do something like that anyway, but he didn't know that. And um, I should have been, you know, we call her Peggy, not Margaret. Wait, 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 wait. So, you, you, keep, you keep saying you should have, you, you did great. Because you didn't, you, before anything bad happened, you figured out it was a fraudster. You uh, tracked down information with the help of the IT guy. I think you did a wonderful job. Well, he, thank you. And he, but he got a a hold of a bank and found out that it was a legitimate account, but they wouldn't close it. They didn't close it. They just said to report it to the police. And I guess I had a question, too. How does this stuff happen? Because it, how do they hack into your company? Uh, oh, email? You know, no. Oh, that's that's easy. <laughs> that's, really? that's like garden variety stuff now for hackers to get in to company email systems, and they'll figure out who the people are, who the decision makers are, who you might want to please, you know, getting an email, take care of this for me. And it happens over and over again that people wire money to crooks. And it is something that I've said anytime there's a request for a wire to be sent now in a company 
and that request comes in electronically, comes in by email, whatever, always follow up with a verifying phone call to the individual who was requesting one so you have an opportunity before it's passed too late to keep money from taking a one-way trip. But you did your own process to prevent the the scam from taking place. And you know what else yeah, you've done? I'm, I'm mad at myself because I'm, I know better. I no, no, no. You didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't using his own. There was an, a, an email address I didn't even recognize. He wouldn't have used that. Barbara, please <laughs> give yourself some credit. You you did not yeah. let the company's $25,000 vanish. The crook didn't <laughs> no. steal. And then on top of it, you've mm-hmm. let so many other people know about this email scam that's so common. People will impersonate vendors, they'll impersonate bosses, and they'll try to get money wired out, and then the money takes a one-way trip. There's no way ever to get it back, and that did not happen, and I hope you'll rest easy knowing that you, you were not part of the problem, you were part of the solution. You kept a bad thing from occurring. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's great talking to you. Well, great having you here, and... Please give yourself some credit because you you realized early enough that you had somebody who was up to no good, and as a result, nothing bad occurred. Glenn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have discovered something applying for life insurance that gives you pause. I, I have. I've been recently in the market for some additional term life insurance and have found a well-known company and, and a, a policy quote that uh, seemed fair. Um, and so some of the documentation that they sent me to sign, one of those documents was called an authorization for release of personal health information, which I totally understand the need for that to allow or authorize my all of my doctors to release my um medical information to the insurer, that makes complete sense to me. But there is a clause in there that I'm wondering if this is common, um, and if I went to shop elsewhere, if I would find it there as well, but but I'm I'm not a fan of it. But it pretty much says any information that's disclosed under that authorization may no longer be covered by the privacy provisions of HIPAA and may be subject to redisclosure. And that, that... does not sound great to me, and I'm, I'm curious, is, is that a standard clause in that, that all insurance companies might have? Yes, yeah, so let me tell you why that clause is there. Okay. It is a standard practice in the insurance industry that they share information with competitors in the following scenario. If there's a reason why someone is denied for any kind of coverage, it is common that that information potentially could be shared with other insurers so that so that if you are turned down by one, you don't say, oh, well, I'll just go apply somewhere else. They don't find what the first one did, and you're granted insurance. It's kind of like if you're familiar with the Clue Report. Is that something you've ever heard of? I don't think it is. So there's two databases. There's one for homeowner's insurance and one for auto insurance. And if you ever make a claim under either, your claim goes into an industry database where any other insurer you might apply to for auto or homeowner's insurance knows 
that you had this claim. Okay. So it's standard in the insurance industry that they share uh, history of clients or even applicants with each other. And MIB, Medical Information Bureau, they do the same thing as Clue does for auto and homeowners. They do it for life and other insurance products. You can actually see your MIB report at MIB.com. All right, and I'm so glad the best part of your call is that you're buying life insurance <laughs> because it's the hardest thing I have to try to get people to do. Uh, people are frightfully uninsured or underinsured to provide for their survivors in the event of their untimely demise. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you, Mike? I'm good, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Hey, um I have uh, uh, scheduled a trip uh, with my family uh, on a Mediterranean cruise this June, and it was a, a you know a fairly expensive trip. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on travel insurance. Buy it. I absolutely you know I'm not a big fan of buying trip insurance normally, but Mike with a cruise, they don't care why you don't come. They're just going to keep your money if you can't be there. And so it makes it different than like if you don't show up for an airline trip, airline ticket, you know, you pay the $200 fee if you fly, you know, on most airlines with Southwest, you pay nothing. You have the rest of the money to use later. With the cruise, you don't go. You're just out all of it. Okay. And... When you're looking at it, I recommend that you go to insuremytrip.com, which is a clearinghouse for you to shop for the policies. Okay, that's good information. But I'll tell you the trick I do. So I have a son who is obsessed with cruises, and we go on too many of them. And so what I do is I book mine and pay for them with a credit card that just for using that credit card, I get trip insurance. Oh, okay. And the credit card you use for this cruise, before you buy trip insurance, just check to see if it comes with that as one of the benefits that you didn't even know the card had. Well, that's great advice. Thank you very much. Sure. And usually if it's going to have that, it will be in the Visa Signature Series, which is the premium kind of Visa card, or the MasterCard equivalent. Okay, good. And have a great trip. We're doing the Mediterranean cruise the following month. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, we're real excited about it. All right, well, have a great day. Thank you. You too, Clark. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Everyone sells today, so how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. 
Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.